Hello, FNCC people. Uh, this is just a quick hello, uh, a way to start this podcast because we didn't press record until a little bit into the homily from this Sunday. So uh, rather than kind of like jumping straight in there, I just thought I'd say hi um, and give you a little bit of context. So yeah, we're looking at Psalm 16 and I think in this bit I am trying to explain a brief synopsis of uh, where we're at in the Psalms process. Hope you're well. Love you all. Bye. If you're new to all of this, I'll give you a very, very brief synopsis. But um, in life, we find ourselves in orientation mode where everything is well and good. Um, then something happens. Um, crisis, grief, trauma, failure, um, all kinds of different stuff strikes. And suddenly the way that we saw life um, is shaken up and we become disorientated and we have to um, experience the, the breaking down of a container of sorts. Um, Somewhere post that, sometimes we're struck with a change of circumstances, um, a change of heart, a revelation, a new season, something that um, breaks us out of disorientation and moves us into something new. And that something new is often made... Oh, hello. We've got someone else. Um, is made up of something new. So um, we don't always know exactly what that's going to... Um, look like and often it's a bit foggy what uh, our reorientation phase will be so new orientation is rebuilding something or rediscovering something or seeing a new angle on something um, that emerges and kind of evolves out of our orientation and disorientation phase and the way I like to think about it is that orientation and disorientation have gifts to give us um, and that new orientation is holding on to the best of those gifts from those previous seasons so we're going to do a little exercise today before we homily too much. Um, and we're going to read a passage of scripture. Um, and I was actually wondering if Mark Cam, would you mind reading the, um, if I posted it up, would you mind reading the scripture for us? I'll, I'll do it in a second. Oh, Rod's already done it. Oh, what a guy. Thanks, Rod. Um, so what we're going to do is, um, if, do you mind reading, Mark? Is that all right? Ah, cool. Um, so if one, when Mark reads this, what we're going to do is we're going to have a scan over and sit with it. And I want you to try and put on um, three different lenses as we read through this. First, we're going to talk about how this um, psalm of trust might strike a person, what might stand out to a person who's in an orientation phase. Um, and Meryl's kind of talked about this before, but the orientation, disorientation, new orientation phases they can come in different phases of our life or different compartments of our lives to do with relationships or our relationship to our identity or all kinds of different things. But to make things easy for today, we're just going to talk about them in kind of major faith phases. So the way we've been referring to this is essentially orientation phase is the kind of first container we find ourselves in, um, either when we first become a Christian or um, the relationship with God or, um, or faith that we kind of grew up with. Disorientation is something that lots of people in our community have been through when it all falls apart and suddenly the container that holds you doesn't make sense anymore or um, doesn't hold you in the same way. And then your orientation is a phase that a lot of us are kind of trying to reconstruct at the moment is trying to work out where to from here. So um, as we sit with the psalm, we're going to do three different little um, Q&As or response pieces where we're going to try and put on the lenses of orientation, disorientation, and then have a foray into new orientation and see how the psalm might strike us in each of those phases. So we'll do that in a minute, but I'll get Mark to read. You can unmute yourself, Mark. Thank you. 
Um, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to Yahweh, you are my God. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour, pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Yahweh, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise Yahweh who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. My eyes are always on you, Yahweh. With you at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You will make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Beautiful. So just for a moment, um, if you're not in an orientation phase at the moment, pop on your orientation glasses. <laughs> um, think back to um, when everything was first good between you and God and faith. Um, and have a scan through this and see what stands out for you, what, um, what your response to a psalm like this might be. And um, if you have a response, we'll try and keep responses short-ish because we've got a few phases of this, but um, feel free to give us a little wave and then I'll name you and you can unmute yourself. I saw someone waving, then I realized it was just me scratching my own nose. So I'm doing great at this. Oh, Jeanette. Jeanette's doing the auction one. <laughs> yeah, very small. Um, uh, it occurs to me that it's an absolute confidence in God and the world and my place in it. Hmm. And um, in that sense that I really have all the answers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a certain amount of like, of course, of course, this just makes sense, doesn't it, from the orientation phase? Like, yeah. of course, this is what the world is like. Um, mm. I, I might have added that, um, like, a little bit in there with the, um, the other people running after the other gods, kind of like what idiots they are. How could they not know better? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else from the orientation phase? You don't have to be in this phase, of course. The, the thing that struck me is that um, that idea, I remember there was a song about, you know, the things of earth will go, grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. It's that, that sense of everything else 
recedes and the only only good thing is God. Um, the only real thing is God. And um, so we, we, there's no sense of God being mediated through other people or through nature. It's just like God, 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 and everything else is, is worthless. Anita? Hi. Yeah, I was, I was, those lines, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I remember being um, in the uh, orientation phase and just having no doubt that would all work out in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really, that would be something that would have resonated to me. Like, it doesn't matter what's happening. It will all work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm yeah, no longer in that phase, but that those lines in particular res- would have resonated with me in that orientation phase. How good was that? <laughs> like it was just, there was something that's so wonderful about that phase, right? Like, uh, yeah. Stu, uh, you at Steelers? Excellent. The uh, verses seven and eight, I'll praise Yahweh who counsels me even at night. My eyes are always on you. Um, these ideas of the constancy as well. So like um, my thoughts were just very often on God and about God and, you know, like staying up late or waking up in the middle of the night to pray and all that kind of stuff was very much a, um, a theme of initial mm. orientation. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alan, did you have some, your microphones unmuted? Do you have a thing? Yeah. yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Oh, hi Shane. Hi. <laughs> yeah. It was, I was thinking about, uh, sorry, it's going to get quite loud here because there's some guitar playing going on in my house. Um, yeah, that phase brought me to Australia, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, I was I was reading from a book called The Artist's Way, which is all about how God exists in creativity and how leaning into, leaning into him um, means that, you can trust in your dreams and you can trust in all of those things that you have a heart for in your life. And I got, I just, I got to Australia and I was in uh, emergency surgery three weeks after I got here. So I had a swift, a swift exit out of that phase pretty, pretty early on in my travels. But I think now I'm, I feel like I'm coming back to that. Mm. That feeling of being able to trust in God again, and um, it's taken a while to get back there, but I'm learning that maybe, yeah, a lot of the beliefs I had back then weren't, uh, they were based in my own reality, but they, my reality was very young. Mm. And I sort of, yeah, just like, I can't trust in God anymore, but now I realize that. I only felt that way because my experience was quite limited. Mm, yeah, yeah. 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 Thanks, Alan. Yeah. Yeah. Very familiar. Camden? Um, I was sort of jumping on Stu with um, Stu's point about uh, my eyes are always on you. Um, and just know it like going through a phase in church culture where you really wanted to be in services all the time. Like there was the culture that, God only happened in church and so to be in church. But there was also the desire to be around Christians doing Christian things um, because you were genuinely hungering after God and, you know, prayer meetings were 
joyful and you wanted to to be at all the meetings and think about God a lot, you know, and how the thought of hanging out with non-Christians just didn't appeal as at the time um, because what they weren't thinking about God or singing about God. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and I remember it not feeling like a, a church was coercing my time, um, but it was it was wanted, you know. I really enjoyed the God-centred universe that we'd created in that church. Yeah. I remember one of the catchphrases was, those people out there only think they're having fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. Okay. Um, so let's let's have another scan of this, and let's have a look through um, the disorientation phase. So how this um, psalm might stand out to someone for whom their world has fallen apart, or the faith container that had held them has fallen apart. This will be very familiar to a lot of you. So I'll, I'll cut you off after five minutes. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> This is, this is something I think our community has a great strength in. Um, but if you can, put on your disorientation lenses, if you remember where you put them. <laughs> if they're not welded on. Um, what, might, what might stand out in the in sun for you? Anita, ta-ta. Um, th um, the passage, I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. I, I think for me, uh, one of the times when I started being a bit disorientated, I started to kind of look towards not necessarily other faiths, but like my heritage, which is Indian and going to ashrams and um, which are normally Hindu and then feeling like a guilt because of that like oh I'm not being strictly Christian and so then all this terrible stuff will happen to me and so feeling like taking the bad stuff that's happening in your life as your own personal um, failings and sins as a result of that and because I am like looking outside the purely Christian lens um, so that kind of resonated yeah yeah for sure Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, like when you're a new Christian, it's very sort of binary, God's good and everyone else is bad. Mm. And, you know, and it's like, oh, and do you know that even pour out blood and libations, you know, you sort of try and make white against black. It's very binary. Mm. Um, and then as you go through that disorientation, you start to realise that, oh, well, other people who worship in different ways are also good people as well and are trying to do the right thing and have an a honest, sincere faith. And so you move from that black and white into shades of grey and starting to realise, you know, and, and you can see there's also a little bit of that, you know, um, uh, what's it called? The one where God gives you money if you're a Christian. Oh, yeah. Prosperity <laughs> doctrine. <laughs> but, you know, like, oh, God will let my boundaries come. So, I, you know, if I'm a good Christian, my boundaries will get and I'll get more land. And, uh, you know, there's a bit of that prosperity doctrine going on. And then you realise, well, God actually doesn't particularly, you know, God doesn't care about boundary lines and because other people who are not Christians have good boundary lines as well. Mm -hmm. So you start to realise in that disorientation that it's not as black and white as what you thought it was, that only good things and are going to, like Christians are only good and only yeah. good things are going to happen to Christians. Mm -hmm. But um, that's not yeah. true and it's quite disorientating. Yeah. 
Mm. It is, yeah. Especially when you discover all 50 shades of grey. Yeah. I think it's really scary for a lot of people who still, who refuse to be disorientated. I think there's a lot of people who are still living in that and who cling very tightly to uh, beliefs which maybe they don't feel like, which haven't gone through that testing period. And it makes everyone else feel very threatening. Mm -hmm. Thinking of like the super, like the super, I don't know, conservative or um, literal Christian model of people who have never gone outside of their own bubble. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, one, one bit that strikes me is the keep me safe, my God. I, I like to just think about disorientation in two modes. Um, disorientation as liberation and disorientation as festering. <laughs> um, where there's, there's a, a part of disorientation which um, releases you from unhelpful modes of that, con that faith container where you actually it's healthy to break out of what has constrained you. Um, and, but then disorientation can also, for lots of people, become a place where um, it's so disorientating that disorientation becomes overwhelming. Um, and then it becomes, you know, kind of lead into cynicism or it can lead into festering or um, where that disorientation actually begins to um, poison everything. Um, and that keeps, Keep me safe, oh God, for um, in you I take refuge. That's often, well, that for me was one of the, things, the first things that kind of blew apart in disorientation mode was when I realized that I'm not actually safe from life, um, where everything wasn't going to be good all the time, um, and that trauma could actually find me. Um, but also later on down the track as well, that, that um, as disorientation stuck around for longer than I'd hoped it would, um, that also led me to a place where I felt kind of all at sea, where I kind of longed for that orientation phase again, or at least something like it, where I actually felt somewhat grounded and somewhat secure and somewhat like someone was looking out for me. Um, yeah. Okay, any final additions to the disorientation mode? Oh, Daphne? Hi. Um, yeah, just what adding to what you were just saying there, Shane, um, it's like in verse eight, um, I'm always aware of your presence. You are right by my side and nothing can shake me. Um, nothing can shake me. Well, that wasn't what, that was not my, that's not life. That's not reality. You know, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Katrina? Um, I think for me is some of it's been sort of growing up um, with a fairly Western view of faith as being a personal responsibility rather than a communal responsibility. And I guess when that gets shaken up, because even reading on this, reading this psalm, probably when I read it when I was younger, it's all about I, my experience, and it's 
quite disorienting if if your experience suddenly becomes a lot more communal like yeah. you know you're living with more people you're around more people or if you're you know now got a family and you've got no time or headspace to have alone time um or, or if you're in a house during uh, isolation and you can't get away from people it's it's um the idea of having you know quiet reflective time i don't know for me it's kind of gone out the window so it's it's kind of disorienting in that way but but maybe it'll head to the next phase of um finding ways of uh i i guess having having spirituality within community thanks katrina um okay so looking at new orientation so new orientation is the mode where um something either strikes us or something happens or something changes or we feel differently or we discover something um, or we even just hunger for a mode post disorientation. So we have a container, the contain container is cracked, becomes cracked, and then somehow we want a new container which will hold us again. Um, and as a church, we've been trying to sit with this idea of how to be a community that can hold people in every phase because um, we're going to have people within our community who are in the orientation phase. We're going to have people within our community who are in phases of major disorientation. We're going to have people in our community who are longing for to rebuild, to rebuild something new. For a while in the initial stages of disorientation, if we're talking about it as the kind of major faith breakdown, you just want to burn and poke everything. <laughs> like you're not actually, like often it's fueled by such an anger or such a disappointment or um yeah such a disorientation that actually you're not looking to construct anything but after a while um for a lot of people rebuilding actually becomes a really important phase and so i just want to have a, have a look at the psalm again um the psalm of trust and have put on our new orientation lenses and think about the gifts that we have from the orientation phase and how they might be tempered by what we've learned in the disorientation phase and how that might, how we might be able to hold those gifts um, together in a new orientation. So hopefully that makes enough sense. We'll see whether people respond or not as to whether I need to do more explaining. But um, how, how might we look at um, this psalm as a blessing in a way post disorientation once we've begun? To heal or reframe or rediscover. Shane, are they in a chat or something where I can read? Oh, yeah, they should all be, if you click chat, they should all be there. Okay. If not, we might be, if, sometimes if you join after things have been posted, they, um, I just repost them just in oh, case. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Um, there's more, but wait. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. I don't know if you joined something after. Um... Thanks, Shane. <laughs> um, two, two things that, are, that strike me is the way um, I think disorientation helps you to reframe things in a new orientation. So that idea of apart from me, I have, apart from you, I have no good thing. Mm. Um, instead of it being everything is good, suddenly it's that you are the source of all the good things, but the good things are not all there is. And in the same way, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Um, there's that 
possibility that you spend time in the realm of the dead, but that you're not abandoned there. Um, mm. so suddenly in a new orientation phase, those things that seem so black and white actually become more nuanced. Beautiful. Mm. I think Rod's on to something there with um, verse 10. Um, because you will not abandon me in the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faith one see decay. I think in the orientation phase, that's sort of seen as a, a, a literalism. In the disorientation phase, it's seen as absolutely ridiculous. Mm. And in the reorientation phase, it becomes uh, accepted as being viewed as poetry, not literalism. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's really helpful. Thanks, Joe. Uh, my um, uh, life experiences for Dean and I, we've probably confronted this most through serious life-threatening illness on a couple of occasions. And the first time it hit us, it was very much about the disorientation. Um, but then as, as you look back and you reflect on it and you even start to see at the time that it's a matter of how you interpret some of those promises and there's this sense that no matter what I go through, I will get through um, a sense of experiencing the peace and the support of other people. And um, when I've talked about it, I've talked about it more that God's not going to protect you from all these nasties that are going to go along. But you will get the sense through God that he is there and he is with you and he is experiencing what you're experiencing and that you're not alone. And that sense of companionship and support as you go through the tough things of life, whatever they are, uh, makes a huge difference to this knowledge that somehow, I don't know how, but somehow I will get through this. Can I just say that the patchwork quilt that you're making is the most perfect metaphor for what we're talking about, Jeanette, is that idea of orientation being this perfect piece of fabric and then disorientation gets burnt <laughs> and then you can cut out small bits, save small bits of it and sew it back into something which... Gives the, border, you. the border is probably the classic of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. it is, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Mm. Anita? Um, yeah, I have the passage that strikes me is, with you at my right hand, I will not be shaken. So, yeah, I, it's similar to Jeanette. I had a couple of years of pretty some pretty tough things that have happened. And I'm reading Dark Night of the Soul at the moment, uh, the Thomas More book. And it's really helping to understand the gifts that come from those dark, that dark period that would definitely not have come had it just been a period of orientation. Uh, and that's really helping with the reorientation and realising it's a gift. It's not the gift I wanted, um, but it's a gift nonetheless in a form that wasn't, I wasn't really expecting. Yeah, I always think about whether you give that gift back. Um, I was talking to um, Danielle Hucker the other day about raising, about raising kids and about thinking about what you hope for their life. And I think about the gifts of um, disorientation in my life have often come through excruciating experiences um, mm. that, that you could never want for your kids. 
but I also don't want my kids to have a life so free of encountering that stuff that um, they don't develop the, the character and the view of the world and un an understanding of um, hope through difficulty and all those things. Like, so it's really hard to know what to hope for for your children because you don't want to have, um, you could never wish suffering upon them, but you could also never wish that they would kind of float through life as these, you know, um, with, with undeveloped character, with a sense of, you know, that everything is fine for everyone all of the time. And, you know, um, and, and if it's not, it's probably because you've done something wrong. And, and, you know, I think I, I very much grew up with that faith. I grew up with the, with the idea that, you know, for people who life didn't work out for, it was probably because they did something to deserve it. You know, they probably messed up somehow. Um, and then having my life fall apart multiple times over, which I didn't feel like was completely my fault. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a massive gift. There's a massive gift in that. Um, I think part of the new orientation phase is that we can see the former phases with kindness um, and, and both of them. I think in the disorientation phase, like it's kind of very much that old emo older brother where, you know, he's been reading too much Nietzsche where, you know, everything is, you know, dark and grim. And if you believe that anything's good, then you're probably just naive and stupid. And I really, I really long for bits of my orientation phase to come back in new and beautiful forms. I long for hope and for joy and to be able to appreciate to be able to look to the future with a sense of anticipation and gladness rather than despair. Um, yeah, like I, I, like I think part of the new orientation phase is seeing, yeah, seeing those things as gift um, and looking kindly on them and, and learning from and appreciating people in different phases to learn, you know, whatever phase we're in to not, um, yeah, to not belittle um, people who are in other phases and, and, and different um, parts of life, yeah. Any more before we um, close and have communion? Beautiful. I've got a whole bunch more I had down to say, um, which I'll, I'll leave for today because I think, yeah, everyone's contributions are just so helpful. But um, in the coming weeks, we're going to try and look at, um, we're going to try and name those gifts from those phases. So if you're thinking about um, this stuff during the week, feel free to like jot it down and flick us an email or save some stuff up for next Sunday. But we're going to try and give a bit of space for having a look through the orientation, disorientation phases and looking at, at trying, how would, how would we name those gifts that we want to hold on to? And then how would we integrate them in together? How would we hold um, what we've um, been given from both of those phases um, in a new way that doesn't cancel either of them out, but actually integrates them into a new and sustainable and hopefully life-giving form.